0: Welcome to Hail the Queen, a podcast about authenticity, happiness, and pursuing your dreams. My name is Raina Spasova vanaust and I am the host of Hail the Queen. I'm also a writer and a habit coach, and I love working with uh, people who identify as women, people who have dreams and aspirations and want a balanced life. My guest today is Megan DeBoer. Megan is the founder of Tended Wealth, a business that helps individuals hear their emotional and practical relationship to money. As a certified financial recovery counselor, her approach considers the context of our current financial circumstance, so our lived experience, our family of origin, and the broad culture that together shape our beliefs about money. Megan is passionate about transforming this fundamental part of our lives from shame and overwhelm to a sense of agency, clarity, and potential. She specializes in helping those who are self-employed to radically increase their earning. Megan's course participants and one-on-one clients regu- regular, wow, what a word, regularly attest to the life-changing power of this work. Megan and I talked, of course, about money, about our relationship with money, about healing our relationship with money. And um, we talked about shame. We talked about money trauma. We talked about under earning the difference between money and wealth. We talked about noble poverty. Uh, we talked about abundance. And we finished with some practical tips from Megan on how to gently start healing our relationship with money. So I hope you stay till the end. I'm, I'm more than sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. So now I leave you with the best part of this episode my actual conversation with Megan DeBoer, enjoy. Welcome to a new episode of hey with the Queen, and today I have Megan. Actually, how do you pronounce your last name? Because I'm based in the Netherlands, so I have my mm. Dutch pronunciation. What would be the yeah. English pronunciation of your yeah. last
1: name? Uh, so it's De Boer, and um, and it is Dutch. So I'm not sure how you pronounce it there, but yes, it's very very
0: close to that. De Boer, De Boer. Yeah. Okay. So welcome to <laughs> Megan De Boer and uh, <laughs> De Boer. <laughs> And um, the more important part, of course, of the conversation is not your last name, it's what you do and the reason why you're here. And I love asking my guests to introduce themselves because I'm always curious to hear how my guests um, introduce themselves. I'm I'm just curious of that. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And uh, so... I am a financial wellness coach and the founder of uh, Tended Wealth. and the what what do I do is really um, supporting people in their in their process of healing, their emotional relationship with money, um, and supporting them in the practical, application of uh, you know, taking care of their money, taking care of their wealth. And my specialty really is at the intersection of those who are self-employed, so really helping people with earning and um, the intersection between their business and what they need to earn to support their lifestyle and uh, their business. And I work with a lot of uh, heart Centered entrepreneurs and artists and creatives, and um, it tends to be an area where uh, there can be a lot of conflict about um, about money and what it means in our lives and uh, value and and worth and um, it. There just tends to be a lot that comes up around money. Uh, it is. It tends to be a very conflicted area of our lives, and and my role is to really help facilitate a different uh, a different relationship with money,
0: and well, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast because you're not that much focused on the how to part of dealing with money, although you do mention that you combine the practical and emotional part. Uh, but re- what really stood out to me, and I'm always drawn to to you, is that you also um, focus on the emotional aspect of, or actually, as you called it, the relationship with money. And by the way, I just want to say that I always thought that your website is called Tender Wealth, although I've been on your website so often. It's just now that you mentioned it's Tended Wealth. Um, yes. Just interesting. Thing. <laughs> but let's talk about the emotional part of, um, in, the relation, in our relationship with money. The other thing that I'm always very curious about is how did you end up doing what you do now? Because as I was on your about page, I saw that you actually graduated as, uh, what was it? Com- comparative history. Yes. Which has nothing to do with, with money. I know. <laughs> then you went through being a bookkeeper. What was that journey like? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, um, you know, it's a, it's an excellent question. and. I feel like my path, um, you know, I, I have this sort of dual, you know, very, very distinct yet integrated parts of my, um, of my mind and just how I operate in the world. So I have, uh, a very emotional side of myself and then a a very analytical side of myself and my academic history, um, or my academic background was studying. Uh, it was my major was called comparative history of ideas, and really, it was kind of uh, philosophy and religion and anthropology and literature. And really, if I could boil it down to one one a couple of words, it would be really studying the human experience. And and that was sort of in an academic context, the only place that I could really uh, dive into all the questions that I had. You know, what what drives us? What what makes us um, struggle and suffer? And what makes us come alive? You know, those were all of the questions. And and what are the political forces um, that are involved? So those big questions have always been really present for me personally. And yet, um, I had really. No, a uh, no clear path of of what that would translate into in in a working environment. Um, I didn't want to go into academia. I didn't want <laughs> a lot of those traditional paths, and I found a lot of satisfaction in bookkeeping and accounting and had always had an aptitude there. And it was very satisfying. And it is still very satisfying to me to work with numbers. Um, And so that just became the space that I um, where I was paid to do work. And I actually worked at a um, at a yoga center right after college, I was the business manager in the yoga center doing the bookkeeping And then, uh, after I had my children, I went, I stepped back into bookkeeping and I took on, um, about 20, uh, small business accounts and I would just rotate through the month with all of my different, um, bookkeeping clients. And it was in that process that I really witnessed a very, I had a very intimate lens with, uh, people who are self-employed and their struggles with money, how they would uh, avoid looking at their money completely. They would um, fantasize about sort of making it big, but be in debt or not paying themselves. Uh, so I, I was witnessing all of these patterns and wanting to understand what was driving those patterns, even if I was suggesting different strategies. and And there was a there was a point where I sort of crossed over from being a bookkeeper and really started wearing more of a business coach hat, um, even though I didn't have the language for it at the time. But I could see things really clearly um, as one who has the privilege of being outside of the <laughs> outside of, you know, in your own head. You, you, you have the luxury of being able to, to witness and, and um, shed light on the different aspects of someone's business that are not working clearly not working. And so it was in that process of inquiry um, that I came across my mentor, uh, Karen McCall, and the Financial Recovery Institute. And it was an immediate um, intuitive and you know just a clear knowing, oh, this, this is the piece that I have been missing. This is the piece that uh, it sort of clicks everything into place. And it was understanding the patterns of under earning and the patterns um, that I also knew were true for myself as well and um, and that took me on the path of um, of this you know embarking on the certification and and starting to do this work myself um, and in the process really addressing uh, some chronic patterns that I had um, around uh earning and around wealth and money in general my own relationship with money so that's a long
0: answer but that's really what has
1: brought me here
0: <laughs> and as i'm listening to you what comes to my mind is that because you work um exclusively i guess is the word with um solopreneurs and from my own experience personal experience but also as a coach working with um, Solopreneurs, I noticed that when you own your business, uh, one of the things that could easily happen is um, that you don't separate your business from yourself. Hey, yes, yes. And then what also happens, again, personal experience also from myself, but working with other people as well, is that I guess then it's also very easy to see the relationship we have with men uh, with money as a the person the relationship i have with money as a person uh as an individual and i bring that into yes my finances financial relationship oh that got very complicated oh no
1: I-, I know exactly what you're saying just that that there because there isn't the boundary separation between yourself as a solopreneur and your business or it's it's a it's it's harder to separate or um it's very common for them to be enmeshed and intertwined, sometimes even the actual accounts, <laughs> the actual bank accounts. Um, that it's very easy for that line uh, for there not to be a line and for there to for that, uh, your own relationship with money to then cross over into your business and for your own relationship with money to sort of contaminate the business for lack of a better word, <laughs> sort of a negative connotation, but I, but it, but it happens and it's where the drama with money, you know, where we um, project our fears and our fantasies and our unresolved, um, you know, money trauma we will continue to play out that drama in our um, in our business and there's just when we own our own business and when we are responsible for earning our income um, it's very different from receiving a paycheck you know where you negotiate your salary one time <laughs> or once a year it's when you're self-employed, you are having that conversation. You are confronting that conversation on a on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day. So it can be very confronting, and um, and it's where there's so much uh, sort of so much behind closed doors, and so much that is secret and shameful about that part of a business owner's life. Not being uh, neat and tidy and all buttoned up. And there's this, you know, front facing how you are showing up in the world, you know, how you are presenting yourself as a business owner, as successful. And then there can be this very shadow side that's filled with a lot of shame. And it's tragic to me because I know that that piece is holding is often holding people back. You know, it's it, it's where imposter syndrome can kind of sneak in and feel um, like, oh, God, if anyone saw, if anyone knew what is really going on, that I'm in a lot of debt or that I don't save enough for my taxes or I'm not really paying myself as much as I need to or I'm really not actually keeping the money that I claim to be making, you know, my business actually costs so much to run that I'm not actually, uh, I'm actually not profitable. So to me, I, I just feel so passionate, especially for those who are in, um, in service, you know, supporting other people that the, the money piece, um, that we give a little space that we normalize that this is hard. This is really challenging territory and it's where you're confronted with so much stuff right out of the gate when you work for yourself and to, um, to normalize that struggle, to bring that struggle out into the open as much as one is comfortable, even if that's just, you know, listening to this podcast and knowing that you're not alone in that struggle. um, and really kind of, giving some space to the this part of the journey, this part of the entrepreneurial journey that can be so challenging <laughs> for, for a lot of people. Not, not everybody, but it, it does confront people um, along the way. And it's sometimes it's like a business owner who's been in business for three or four years, and they are very successful. And they're brilliant at what they do. And it's just this this piece that hasn't been fully resolved, and and that's where you know I just love supporting <laughs> love supporting my clients in that in that part, so that they can really open up and um, and not not be held back, you know, by it, whether it's shame or just uh, disorganization or um, you know limiting. Beliefs around what their earning potential actually is. Sometimes people are, you know, holding back their rates or holding back um, an offer because there's this disconnect because there's a, um, an unresolved piece.
0: As I'm listening to you, what uh, what I'm realizing is that the moment I became an entrepreneur, so I started my own business, I didn't. Even realized, but that was the moment that I felt that there was this magnifying glass on my life because once once I started working for myself it, to say it differently, I find it so much more easy to so much easier to work for someone else to be in a company, be it a corporate, or not because then then I'm not in the spotlight, but the moment I started my own company, my first business, and that's when like everything yeah and not by someone else by Mm -hmm. myself just by yourself yes
1: yes yes and there's there's no there's no hiding anymore (laughs) like you can't hide anything from yourself so yes it is choosing to be um choosing to confront those things yourself
0: yes and I am really doing my best to keep the focus on money, but at the same time, my relationship, my money is something that I started working on this year. So I noticed that I feel way more comfortable to talk about business more in general rather than (laughs) money. So let me, let me try to come back to money. So I hear you mention a lot about, uh, talk a lot about shame, um, Shame and money, and as as silly as this may sound, um, it was about a year ago I was confronted with this question. I actually don't know uh, how shame feels like, so I had to Google that back then. I learned a lot about shame. I noticed that shame can be even that um, that feeling of feeling uncomfortable that that could also be shame. So can you um, say it for dummies like me? Money and shame, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Yes,
1: yes. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. And I love that you, um, I love that you looked it up and you had to sort of step into what, what does this, (laughs) what is this experience um, of shame? And I would, I would say, um, you know, shame is how we are how we are perceived and judged. It's always coming from the external. It doesn't arise like it we, we feel it internally, but it's because of how we are perceived by someone else. So it's really the exposure. Um, so for instance, if uh, and, and this can I'll, I'll just ground it in some very specific examples of in the in the financial. Um, so it could be, People, you know, you're out to dinner with your girlfriends, um, other business owners, and people start talking about um, going on vacation, you know, going on a a two-week holiday, a two-week vacation. And everyone starts talking about hotels and where they're going to fly to, and and it feels sort of extravagant. And yet, you know that you cannot afford to go. Your credit cards are maxed out. You don't have any savings to rely on. Um, You know that that is not possible for you. And so even though no one is technically shaming you, you feel your own shame because of the fear of anyone finding that out you feel it kind of rising and it becomes you know your heart rate might increase your cheeks might feel a little flushed you might start fidgeting a little bit or want to um walk away <laughs> like like do something else you know you might pick up your phone and and be distracted it the shame triggers kind of a its own it's related to a trauma response. And so you, you may have that fight or flight kind of response, or you may freeze, you may sort of shut down and collapse. Um, so shame looks different for everyone. And it's really helpful to kind of tap into even just noticing and observing what kind of, um, like what? What physiologic response tends to come up for you? You know, whether it's flushed cheeks, or heart racing, or collapsing, or um, fidgeting, or kind of wanting to stand up and like all of a sudden you you like it can it can also happen just listening to someone on a podcast talking about how much they have in, in their heaven in investments, you know, and you get really uncomfortable. Like You you may not even be conscious that that's what you're getting uncomfortable about, but all of a sudden you are in the kitchen trying to find a snack and you're sort of distracting yourself. And it's a way to get away from the discomfort of um, the acknowledgement of where you are in relation to this um, expectation, this external expectation of where you should be, what you should be doing. And so it's that's where it, it's um, it's felt in the internal realm, but it's um, usually triggered in the external realm, even if that's the perception of someone, of, of being exposed to uh, in
0: the external. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I hear you also mention a lot trauma when it comes to money. Um, to be honest... A couple of months ago, I wouldn't have connected these two words together. Uh, But again, also a couple of months ago, I wouldn't have thought that uh, people with a lot of money can also have trauma around money. So can you expand a little bit more on the subject of trauma and money? And then I'll throw in my second question, which I already hinted. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. yes. Uh, So
1: I just want to first frame it as, you know, Trauma is, I think, to me the most important um, is to recognize that there can be acute trauma, traumatic ex, uh, experiences, and then there can be uh, repeated, um, repeated smaller, you know, sort of little t trauma experiences that over time, unrepaired, can uh, create. The same experience in your body physiologically um, as a bigger trauma response. So, so I just want to frame that first that that the idea of trauma, you know, it, it's really in that repeated form, and it's also in the acute form. And I never want to minimize um, acute trauma whenever I'm talking about it. But what is crud- crucial? For me to convey, especially with money trauma, is it is and, and with all trauma, but particularly money trauma, it is when there has been a rupture and no repair. So there's sort of a a skip in the record, or that there's there's an experience that hasn't had resolution, and in money specifically, that can be. Money trauma can be from poverty or periods of po- poverty, um, where there is a there is a very visceral experience of not having enough to eat, not having enough, uh, you know, like really living hand to mouth, only having a couple of dollars in your checking account, and living in that state of. Actual fear, you know, physiologic. You know, your your safety is at risk. You are in that heightened alert state, and um, prolonged that can be that becomes money trauma. You know, it can be in one instance. It can be over time, and different people are sensitive to it in different ways so for some people they may be able to ride over that and and it not affect them long term and other people sort of get stuck in that um, again if it hasn't been repaired if there hasn't been sort of making sense of that um, of that time period so if it happened in childhood not being able to make sense of it having that um, you know sort of pre-conscious fear where they are terrified of not having money you know that that can be one way that that money trauma shows up and is sort of buried underneath at a very unconscious level and money trauma can also be um, you know you were working and really successful at a Uh, six-figure job, and then you were fired unexpectedly. You were let go, and um, everything just disappeared overnight. And again, unresolved, there can be um, what I would Depending on on the person, the individual's experience, there could be some money trauma that needs to be healed. There, you know, around earning, around worthiness, around you know, it's, it's sort of all connected. It's probably multi layered, but the money piece is going to be around earning and security and fear, and um, and the support that either was there or not there at that time.
0: And you gave examples of of the bigger, the acute trauma. Uh can you can you also give a couple of examples of what you mentioned, the smaller repeated instances of of trauma? Because somehow when when I think of trauma, the thing that usually comes to my mind is the big thing. And I do appreciate you mentioning that. Um but I recognize that there are also instances, not only with money, but again, coming back to money, staying on mm-hmm. <laughs> the subject of money. It's usually that those repeated instances that um we don't really see as trauma, but they are. They have that effect on on us. So, if you can give a little bit, uh, a couple of examples.
1: Yes. Um, so, these are these. I would say are. Um, you know, it really depends on the individual. This is not going to necessarily be for everyone, but I would say that um, those who are highly sensitive and highly attuned in, in a relational way. If they are, um, let's say they are a solopreneur or uh, you know they're, they're self-employed and they're a service-based business owner, and they are, um, they are working with a client who sort of repeatedly questions the value of what they are receiving from their work. They're maybe not, um, maybe they're balking about whatever they're supposed to pay for the service and they're kind of constantly undercutting or saying like, gosh, this is so expensive. Or, you know, they're, they're making comments like that where it's, there's, there's that crossover between, um. A person's value, or you know, the, the interpretation is the person's like, I am not valuable. <laughs> like that's the message that is being communicated in that in that instance. And if that is happening repeatedly, 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 then there could be like bracing and defensiveness that comes up for that um, that solopreneur whenever they are um, in that conversation around money and their rates and um, where they are starting to be defensive. Like they're not stating their actual rate. They are um, all of a sudden out of their mouths comes um, a lower rate than they just <laughs> decided that they are going to be charging. You know, their their rate from two years ago, you know, this, this has happened. I've seen my clients do it um, or heard of it happening. And that is a trauma response from that repeated, um, and and I would say it's this is where money trauma can be so interesting because that's where it sort of shows up, but of course it has much deeper roots and um, in someone's history in their own interpersonal relationships um, and it's being expressed in this very specific way <laughs> with earning in self-employment. Um, so it becomes trauma, you know, like it becomes money trauma, but sometimes
0: the origin is a little bit deeper than that. So interesting. It's, um, it's very fascinating. Earlier, you also mentioned under-earning. And well, actually, the example you just gave is of when asked about your fee... Instead of saying um, an X amount, you say half of it um, because of money trauma. And that was one of the fascinating things I learned about money. Um, It was actually through a book that I found as a recommendation on your website. Um, Which one was that? Um, The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist, I believe. And that was the first time in my life that I recognized that people with money can also be under earners. They can also have a very trauma, traumatic, traumatized relationship with money. So um, how is your approach different to people who, um, who struggle making money and to people who already make um, an X amount of money? Say six figures.
1: That's an excellent question, and um, and it really it it's so interesting how it shows up in a different way. And and what you're speaking to is so important because when we think of the term under earning, we think of low earning, when it actually can span a pretty wide range of earning. Uh, it's not always an indication, it's never an indication of how hard someone is working or not working. So first, <laughs> I just want to um, dispel that myth. And it rarely is, you know, it's it's sort of more obvious at the lower earning, in the lower earning range, um, but it is always, you know, there's always the potential for it to be present in the higher earning tiers as well. Um And in terms of how I address that with clients, uh, for me, it is the expression of it is always, um, while the expression is different, sort of the root of it is the, or or the common denominator is that someone is not uh, really honoring their own needs and their own worth. And needs um, is... We, I, I like to really look at a lens, look through the lens of that need in a really holistic way. So the need is, are you supporting yourself? Are you sustaining yourself? Do you have adequate savings in reserve now and for the future? Do you, uh, you know, are you um, are you protecting yourself from any debt now or in the future? Um that is all part of the lens that I look through to make sure someone is actually meeting their needs. Um, but beyond that, it is looking at soul needs, looking at practical needs, looking at, you know, is someone able to really, you know, they may be making six figures, but they may not have any time at all to enjoy their lives. They're sleep deprived, they're exhausted, they're burnt out. Um, they may also have it expressed in money, but that under-earning piece, it you know, it, it can be showing up there. It, that the deprivation can be showing up in lifestyle in addition to money. So I'll just keep it focused on money, but but it can express in a lot of different ways. And years ago, I um I actually started really reframing under-earning for myself and with my clients as under receiving, because it really isn't limited just to money. It really sort of spans a much wider spectrum, you know, receiving, um, receiving support, receiving like really giving yourself time off, <laughs> really allowing yourself um, to enjoy the money that you do have. Uh, that can be a really interesting area, especially in the higher tiers and with people who have a lot of wealth, where there is um, there's a discomfort having wealth and kind of like a an impulse to get rid of it very quickly, to not hold it, to not allow it in their lives, to not enjoy it. So um, so that can be an expression of. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit different than under earning, but it's it's an expression at that higher income level of not not allowing that um, like the the fullness of wealth into
0: your life. Well, in in preparation for this conversation, now wait, let me take a step back. Earlier this week, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and she mentioned something about uh, money and wealth. Um, which was something I hadn't heard before. Uh, money screams and wealth whispers. So I have to. And, and when I heard that, I immediately thought of you because my conversation was on Monday, and I knew I was talking to you today, uh, Friday. So my first question is: Do you agree with with that statement? Money screams and wealth whispers that's
1: beautiful. I haven't heard that before actually. And, um, and it just immediately resonates with me. And what I feel the truth that resonates there is the money, the money being this sort of transient, um, unstable, unpredictable, um, this chase and sort of having to have and having to get um. Money, this sort of transactional and relentless—you um, know—that that scream that's uh, that's coupled with money in that in that phrase—it uh, just holds that um, that urgency and that uh, desperation that I think so many people feel with money and wealth is um, stable and slow and um, spacious inherently uh, and so coupling it with that whisper is like it's not demanding as much attention it's quiet it's um, it's there in sort of in a subtle way, not in that um, loud and demanding way so yeah that's that's what immediately, um comes to mind, and I'm curious to hear <laughs> if you what what you thought, you know, other than just bringing it up in this conversation, how it resonated for you.
0: My first reaction was that I um, felt a very deep connection to those words. and it gave me a lot of um, peace and comfort recognizing that wealth whispers. Um, especially because me, myself, and I, because I am a a quieter person. I'm, um, I wouldn't necessarily say introverted, but I'm a sensitive person. I like observing. I like listening. I don't like um, that tendency, which is very promoted these days. I guess these days, I'm not sure, of always having to say something, which, again, tying it to money, I think is something that, I feel is very often promoted as the way uh, of running a business of having a business screaming screaming on social media screaming about what you do who you are it seems like you want to add something yeah to well
1: the only thing I would I mean I, I just I think you're yeah I I just appreciate you you sharing that and I and I think this is the piece that I you know it's, it's really the reason that I named my business Tended Wealth is that I really wanted to broaden, um, broaden the definition of wealth and really reclaim it from that sort of the wealthy and really come bring it back down and have it, it sort of encompass all the different aspects of our lives, our relationships, our health. Uh, yes our money um, and so to me that just letting that uh, letting that phrase just sit with me it's like it, it's sort of bringing money like reshaping that perception of money you know from that projected um, experience of money letting money be a part of our wealth um, and be in that quieter realm that supportive, quieter realm that it wants to be in. And I I really believe that like money, money is really there to partner with us and to be there, uh, to help support our lives. And, and this is where, you know, when we're in a frustrated relationship with money or a shamed relationship with money, we don't, um, where it, it, it hasn't had resolution. We're, we're in conflict. You know, we're in conflict with money. It can't partner with us. <laughs> it wants to and, and we're, we're sort of fighting with it, turning our backs to it or judging it or shaming it or rejecting it, you know, in, you know, subtle and <laughs> not so subtle ways, rejecting it. Um, so coming into relationship with money, is the path to coming into relationship with wealth and having it be that quieter whisper rather than the
0: scream. As I'm listening to what you're saying, um, and I've been looking at my notes, and I really cannot find that, but um, there was that beautiful thing you said on your website. It was about, you have to help me here, uh, it was about that having less is morally Better?
1: <clears throat> yes.
0: Yes. And so I would appreciate if you can, can say yes. that in a better yes. and clearer way than <laughs> yes. me. But my question is, um, and I'm not sure there's really a question here, but as I'm listening to you, what I recognize is how, uh, for instance, um, I noticed that we, we I've, I I can speak only for myself, there is that preference to say, affluent uh, no abundant, that's the word abundant. But abundant is not necessarily wealthy. And again, I'm not sure there is a question here. It's just these these things came to me as I was listening to you how how we how I use abundant, how I notice other people use abundant, but at the same time I'm not sure that these people have um what's the opposite of conflicted relationship with mm, harmonious. <laughs> harmonious so i'm just rambling here mm-hmm.
1: yes 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 it over to yes, you no i and i i can i know exactly the nuance that you're speaking to and um so that sort of the moral superiority of not wanting or needing money i think is what <laughs> the language yes. that i used on my yes. on my website and another term that is um that is often used that I think is really helpful is noble poverty, um, which is like that same belief that it's sort of morally superior to not have. Um, And this is where, again, culturally, at least in the US, (laughs) we have a lot of conflict about money and, um, and it can be like it's it's cultural and there is um that uh the the phrase that people use you know um money is the root of all evil which is actually incorrect it's actually the love of money that is the root of all evil is the the original quote um but it's where there has been so much corruption over time and because we have this uh corrupted, conflicted relationship with money in general, uh, or there's the, the history of that. Um, and it, it goes really deep in in the U.S. at least. Um, I would say most most other Western countries, but particularly the U.S., we, we have a deep conflict, um, an obsession with money, and a disgust with money. And those are two Sides of a very extreme spectrum, and that harmonious relationship with money is somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Um, and so the nuance that you are speaking to is like the language around abundance, attracting abundance, um, you know, speaking to that side which um is so. Beautiful in one sense, but it has kind of a a a shadow to it. I notice where um, sometimes it's like before people, you know, it's like this aspiration to have this abundant life before there has been real resolution with the money, the actual money piece, and um, and abundance. You know, to me, I I have a lot of conflict with that word, (laughs) just how it's used right now. I I just have. I just have a lot of, um, just the language around it feels, um, it it doesn't feel as honest as I want it to be sometimes. And I also personally, um, I really love using the term plenty instead because it's like, it's an acknowledgement um, of enough, of sufficiency, as Lynn Twist talks about in her book, um, so beautifully. It's like the uh, there is abundance all around us, but how much abundance do we personally need? You know, and and just really recognizing, and that and that's kind of that harmonious center that each individual has to come to. What is uh, what is plenty for me? My plenty is going to be very different from your plenty, but it's the um, you know, stepping into that space of, what is that plenty? you know, like what does what what do I need? What is excessive? you know, what what do I um, what does my life require and how much can I share with a very honest reflection where you're not jeopardizing your own well-being. and this is what um, comes up on the sort of noble poverty side is like, anything beyond, um, you know, the bare, bare, bare necessities is excessive is I'm, I'm not worthy of that. You know, it's, it's this very constricted and restricted sense of what is, um, what is possible for them personally. And so a lot of the time with my clients who are at that end of the spectrum, it's really stretching, uh, stretching the possibility, stretching what the potential is um, for that person, (laughs) making sure that they are actually listening to what their needs are. So I'm not sure that I necessarily answer. I know it wasn't necessarily a question, but (laughs) I'm just wondering if that...
0: You you did talk about what uh, I was aiming for, so thank you for that. And what I did here is um, what comes to my mind. Actually, is that using the word affluence is is kind of going back to the the reaction, we, the shame around money is is actually avoiding using the word wealth, avoiding the subject. Um, which, again, looking at time, and I have so many more questions for you. Um, but let's let's try to wrap up this conversation so um what would your advice be for uh, people to get them started on this journey apparently working with uh with you would be an amazing start and i'm not saying this to promote you but because i genuinely believe that we well most of us have this this wound and has this trauma in us uh from one experience or repeated experiences um and avoiding it is not is not the answer? To, is not the solution? So, what would be um, a gentle way f- for our listeners to to heal their relationship with money?
1: Yes. Um, well, I really, I, I think I am, and I love the that you use the word gentle, and that's inherent in my work is for. For you, the listener, you know, to, to step into this space, especially if it has been fraught, either um, you notice, oh, yeah, I really avoid the topic of money. I feel a little squirmy when it comes up. Um, I don't like looking at my bank balance. Um all the way to like, oh, I'm ready to start uh, really tackling my investments and start building wealth, but I'm intimidated or I feel overwhelmed. So it's anywhere along the spectrum. Um, my highest recommendation is to really uh, give yourself as much space as you need to um, be in your body and get support with that as you are stepping in to confront whatever small action it is, even if it's just a conversation, even if it's just listening um, to more in-depth podcasts, whatever the small action is, you want to make sure that you are coupling it um, with sort of active gentleness, active compassion. So um, giving yourself kind of a bridge so maybe it's like, I'm going to open up my online bank account while I'm listening to really soothing music or while I have my coziest sweater on. And you are sort of reminding yourself, like, I'm wearing my cozy sweater. I'm safe and I'm protected um, as I step in to confront this thing that's really uncomfortable and really hard. And again, there can be a huge spectrum in that discomfort. Um but you want to be gentle with yourself and not um, not create new patterns that make money a scary space or a threatening space. So you, that's that's a lot um, of my work with clients uh, who have that um, that shame trigger or the uh, trauma trigger, where you may go into fight or flight. You want to really be um, so. So soft and gentle with yourself as you step into that space. Uh, so that's really always my my highest highest advice, and it's it's so hard to remember um, in the moment to give yourself that time, but it really can make all the difference. And it can it can be just just taking a moment to ground and be with your breath for a few breath cycles before you do whatever it is that's hard. It can be. Um, Calling a friend and saying, "I'm about to do something kind of hard. Can you just stay on the phone with me for five minutes? You know, while while I look this up. (laughs) You know, they don't even know they have to know what you're doing, but it's just whatever is soothing to you that you can couple with that hard thing makes it easier, and it uh, allows you to have less and less um, sort of physiologic resistance as you step into the harder things. And it makes it easier when you then raise your rates and have that first conversation with a new client and you are stating that rate, you can drop back in. You don't have as much blocking you um, from engaging because our relationship with money, it shows up in paying for your coffee in the morning all the way to, um, you know, sending an invoice to a client it's sh- it, our relationship with money shows up in all of those different places so the more you can clear that pathway and have it be really uh, gentle and supportive the more you are training that uh, in your brain to be something that is um, available to you and
0: full of all kinds of possibilities beautiful thank you so much and then a little bit to the side but still connected to our conversation a little bit on the side as a bookworm I really need to ask you have a wonderful page with resources on your website which I will share in the description of this episode but if you could pick one book to support our conversation or to to help our readers expand on our conversation or the subject of money which one would that be? Oof, just one. <laughs> that's,
1: <laughs> that's so tricky. Well, I, I would say um, my favorite um, overall resource would be, you know, especially for this conversation, um, I would really say, especially for sort of the entrepreneur, overcoming underearning is a really powerful book um, for people who, who who any of that part of the conversation resonated. That would be a
0: really powerful book to start with, and then not necessarily on the subject of money, but which book are you reading these days? are you reading oh a i book? am I'm always reading like five books at the same
1: time <laughs> <laughs> I hear that so often <laughs> um, so at the moment, um, I am reading I'm reading and loving a. Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown. Uh, that's a really beautiful book about it's about activism, but it's um, it's sort of this beautiful exploration of how we how we can move forward um, in the world, and and it's just very inspiring to me at the moment. And then my
0: really final question for you is: Where can our listeners find you? Well, you you
1: can um go to my website tendedwealth.com and i really am only on instagram at um at tended wealth and that's that's the best way to connect with me uh virtually in the social media world so i would love to connect with anyone and and um and support you in your own uh relationship with money and and opening up wealth and the possibility of your future.
0: Hello again, it's me, Raina, the host of Hail the Queen. Before you go, three quick things. First, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I worked on, as much as I enjoyed creating it. Two, if you want to receive the behind the scenes article for each episode straight to your inbox, please sign up for the Hail the Queen newsletter. You can find the link to do that in the description of this episode, or you can visit our website, hailthequeen.me. And three, last but not least, please support Hail the Queen by either sharing this episode with a friend or subscribing to or following Hail the Queen on your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for your support, thank you for being here, and until next time.